You know, I think uh, hell shudders and gets upset when it loses a soul. When someone understands that the blood of Jesus Christ has set someone free, I believe the devil don't like it. But I think what makes him much more upset and makes the gates of hell tremble just a little bit more is when someone understands the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost can change your trajectory, your life, your walk, how you live, and it can empower you to see others set free. I believe the devil knows that when the blood of Christ sets one free, he has just lost one. But I believe that when he sees someone get baptized in the Holy Ghost, he knows that there are many more to come that will be lost. Yes, the blood of Christ will make the devil tremble, but the power of the Holy Ghost will shake the gates of hell. I believe that with everything in me. Furthermore, I believe that is something we should expect. You know, I told you that I'm going to be doing a series on expectations. This morning was expecting heaven. There are expectations that go both ways when it comes to expecting heaven. There are things, yes, that we can expect, and if we do right, those expectations will be met. But in doing that, there are also expectations from God of us to be able to have that met. Tonight is not so much expectations of us, but it is an expectation that we should have. We need to rightly understand and rightly divide the word, and we need to understand what God has set forth for us. Tonight is simply entitled, Expecting the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 19. So if you want to find that, I'm going to read the first seven verses, one through seven. It'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to there, and as you find it, if you would, please stand. For the reading of the word. Of all of the passages about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is perhaps this one that I like best. It says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all of the men were about twelve. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the promise and the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray tonight simply that we could understand, that we could see clearly and that, God, that you would pour out your Holy Ghost in this house tonight. God, let us experience and taste and see 
God, the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to go kind of towards the end here just for a second of chapter 19 just to show you what I was talking about, about the blood of Christ just setting one free, but the power of the Holy Ghost changing the trajectory, not just of you, but it can change the trajectory of the entirety of a community or of a town or of a place. You see that Paul is in Ephesus here. Apollos is still over in Corinth. But it's in this chapter of Acts that we get some precedents set. We wonder why we do prayer cloths. It's because of this particular chapter in Acts. If you read on down, you will see that Paul, he didn't anoint them with oil. They came from his body. That he sent forth prayer cloths and miracles were wrought. We see that we had seven sons of Sceva and apparently they had seen Paul casting out demons. So they thought that they would try to imitate it. So they went to cast demons out and they sent them running out of the room. They said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? So we see some things there, but we also see something else a little peculiar that I still see some people do, and I have done myself. You will see people, after they get saved, purge their house, get rid of things that they no longer need. If you want a precedence for that in the Bible, it is here at the end of Acts 19. It says, many also of them used curious arts, brought their books together, and burned them before all men. You see, sorcerers were being set free by the power of the Holy Ghost, and when they were set free, we get the precedence for purging out that in your house which you don't need and burning it, getting rid of it before all men. But all of this happened because not just the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ was already there. There was already disciples that had already been saved in following Jesus Christ. But until Paul come in and laid his hands on them, all of these other things didn't happen. But when Paul come in and he said that you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they were, the trajectory changed. The power that was present in Ephesus changed. But now I'm going to go way back and we're going to work back through verse 7 of chapter 19 here in a bit. But I want to talk just a moment about expectations. I told you that when you're expecting heaven, there is expectations placed upon you also. But when it comes to expecting the Holy Spirit, yes, you do need to be saved. You need to be sanctified. But this gift of the Holy Ghost is something purely that you should expect. You should expect to receive the good things from God that are promised. How do I know that the Holy Ghost is one of those? Acts 1 and 5 says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized. Not you might be, not it's something you can look for if you so desire, but it says ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. We know that right after that that they gathered together about 120 in the upper room, and we know that when they gathered together in unity and they began praying that all of a sudden they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and we see perhaps maybe the second greatest message in all of the Bible when Peter stepped out after that and preached a message and seen 3,000 added into the church in one day. We know from Matthew 3 and 11 that John said that I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But... 
But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall, not he might, not he may, if you look for it, not it's something you can seek for if you so desire after I baptize you in water, but he said he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. These are promises in the Word that we need to look for. We have that same thing over in Luke. But I like the promises that Jesus gave in John, perhaps, above all. We have already been told by John the Baptist that this Holy Ghost is coming. We've already known uh, from the beginning that Jesus is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world and that He was baptized in the Holy Ghost. We get that picture in the Gospels also. But in John 14 and 16, Jesus Christ Himself said, And I will pray the Father, and He shall... Shall. You keep seeing this word over and over, shall. This is not something that is optional. There was a point in time when it was preached that you better be baptized in the Holy Ghost if you want to go to heaven. Now, I'm not quite that hardcore on it, but I do believe that if God has promised you something and you reject what God wants to give you, I think you are bordering on sin. How? I mean, if you reject the blood of Christ, you're still under sin. If you reject other gifts of God, are you telling him that you don't believe that he can do what he said or you telling him you don't need the fullness of what he offered I think you border on dangerous ground if you start rejecting the good things of God but again we have that word shall he said I shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you listen to this not just until the first generation of disciples have passed away he shall abide with you not just until Paul is done with his work he shall abide with you not just until a certain time period but he said he shall abide with you forever he was with Peter he was with Paul he was with John he was with uh, all of these people through the dark ages and the middle ages and the early church fathers well guess what you've come too late to tell me that he has somehow suddenly disappeared that the word of God don't still stand because the Holy Ghost is still with me tonight the Holy Ghost is still at Mill Creek Church of God tonight the Holy Ghost will still be here next week if the Lord tarries long enough why because God's word proclaimed to us that he shall abide with you forever he will never leave you he will never forsake you that just don't go for God that just don't go for Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever but the word of God tells me that also the Holy Ghost will abide forever shall John 15 26 and 27 but when the comforter is come not when he might show up, but when he is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall, shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. You see, the devil don't want this power of the Holy Ghost upon his people, upon the people of God, because then all of a sudden, instead of a witness to the sin and the ways of the world, you've got a witness to the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power and the cleansing effect of the Holy Ghost. The devil don't want it. John 16 and 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will. 
I will send him unto you. So if you believe that God is seated on the throne, that he spoke into existence through the word, all of creation, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you, that his blood was shed on Calvary so that your sins could be washed away, that his red blood would make you white as snow, then you also must believe that the Holy Ghost has been sent because he has departed, he is seated, at the right hand of the Father and His Word stands true. He said that if He departs, I will send Him unto you. He said He will abide with you forever. He said I shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. But now I'm going to take that a step farther. I believe the very best gift that you can receive that God can give to you is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that God wants to give you the best gifts. Why do I believe it? Because Matthew tells us that. What man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? You see, He already gave us the gift of the blood of Jesus Christ. Why did He give us that? It was a ministry of reconciliation. If you want to understand that, go read that passage in, that I preached this morning, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. But keep reading on down uh, 11 through 20, and you will see that the blood of Jesus Christ is for your reconciliation unto God the Father. It's not just to cleanse your sins, but it's to cleanse your sins so you can be reconciled unto that which is holy, unto that which is pure, under that which breathed His Holy Spirit into you to give you life. He's already given that gift as a way of cleansing and reconciliation. But He is also, and I just read you the Scriptures, He is also given and promised the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? I also read you that to empower you to be a witness. What does that mean? It means you are empowered to live right both before God and man. The Holy Ghost ain't just to make you swing off the of chandeliers and talk in tongues. It ain't just to make you run the aisles. It ain't just to make you fall out in the Spirit, but it's to make you live right, to empower you to live right before God and man. It is so that you can love the way you're supposed to love. It's so you can give the way you are supposed to give. It is so you can do what God has called you to do. So that you can be a witness and shake the gates of hell every time you walk out of the door. Every time your feet hits the floor in the morning. Every time your head hits the pillow at night. You need to be shaking the gates of hell. And you cannot do it if you are not empowered by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are different gifts. Let me slow down and read, read something here for just a minute. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as, they, as ye were led. 
Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. You can't be saved without the power of the Holy Spirit drawing you in. You can get saved for grandma and it won't stick. You've heard me say that a hundred times. You can get saved for your spouse sitting beside you and it ain't going to stick. Why? Because it ain't, it ain't the Holy Spirit pulling you. It ain't the Holy Spirit making you confess. You're confessing out of your own self. And your own self can't do it. Paul's pretty clear. You can't get saved without the Holy Ghost. But now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with him. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another uh, prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But now here's the thing. Some people will take that passage and tell you that that is only one aspect of the Spirit, and they are right. But the baptism of the Spirit is always accompanied, always accompanied, always accompanied. I said that three times for a reason, to drive it home. It is always accompanied by speaking in tongues. Always. How do I know that? Acts 2, 1 through 4 tells me that when they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 8 tells me that when those in Samaria, now understand, chapter 2, they're in Jerusalem. Chapter 8, they're in Samaria. They were baptized and they spoke in tongues. In chapter 10, Peter is with the Gentiles and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And then Paul in this passage is in Ephesus. He's in the uttermost parts of the earth from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. When they were baptized, it says they, were, they spoke in tongues. Some will tell you that it's just for those immediately following Christ, that first generation of believers. Well, I've read you scripture tonight that debunks that, that tells you clearly that that is not the case, but I'll prove it from this passage that I read to start. Some will say that tongues must be in a known language. There are two different terms, and you can ask me these later because you will not remember these. One is glossolalia, one is xenolalia. One is speaking in unknown tongues, one is speaking in known tongues. On the day of Pentecost, yes, I will concede that when they come out, they were speaking in tongues known to mankind because that's what it says. They heard each one speaking in their own language. So there are two different ways. God can empower you to speak a language you've never known, and I've known him to do that. I had a cousin, um, E.M. Hudgens, I had to think of his right name and not his nickname, that pastored over in Pineville. He had never been to Hungary, and he never took a day of Hungarian language in his life. And he left a revival one night and was walking back from Pineville Church of God back to his house, and on the way there was a Hungarian woman that was sitting out on her stoop. As, as he walked by, as Brother Hudgens walked by, he was speaking in tongues on his way home. When he went back out the next day, the lady looked at him and said, When did you learn to speak Hungarian? 
Don't tell me God can't lay on someone and, and help them to communicate and speak to someone even of a different language. But I'm going to show you through Scripture that there is also an unknown tongue, a tongue of angels. You see, Paul wasn't in that upper room. And they did speak in known languages on that first day. But here, there's other people that are second, third generation. Paul's at least the second preacher that's been over top of them. So I don't know how long they had been Christians. They were Christians before Paul ever arrived, just like you were Christians before I ever arrived in this church. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not just for the first generation. How do I know there's tongues of angels? Paul said so. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Now I can't stop there because he said if I don't have love, I become, or charity, it's agape is the word that's used there, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Tongues of men and of angels. There are both. How do I know that it's something that we should continue to seek diligently and not just one time? We've got people sitting, I don't even know that we can be called a Pentecostal church anymore. Now, I'm not talking about this local body of congregants. I'm talking about Pentecostal denominations in general. I don't even know that we should rightly proclaim ourselves as Pentecostals anymore. Because when they gathered about 120 in the upper room, what happened was all 120 of them got baptized in the Holy Ghost. When you read it, it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon not just John and Peter, not just Mary, not just one of the others, but it said it sat upon each of them. All 120 that was there experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled. If you go on down to verse 4, it tells you that they were all filled. Not certain ones, but every one of them in an upper room was filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I've read that less than 50% of the people in the church of God are baptized in the Holy Ghost. Less than half of our congregants have spoken in tongues. How are we Pentecostal? And we don't need to just do it once. I'm going to be my typical blunt self. Joni will fuss at me later. If you come to this altar 30 years ago seeking for the Holy Ghost and you got baptized in the Holy Ghost and you've not spoken in tongues since, shame on you. 
if you do not diligently seek after, and you think it's something that you only need once, read your Bible and shame on you. Paul said, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. If you don't think he said it, go read 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul said, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. He didn't do it just once. He sought after it regularly. He wanted the power and the presence of the Lord upon him. I believe that when you get into power and the presence of the Holy Ghost, it's a little bit of heaven on earth. Matter of fact, I had one person describe it as a collapsing of heaven and earth. Because I promise you, when you get in the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost, all else will fade away. All your worries and your burdens and your troubles and your heartaches, even your pains. I'll use myself as an example for that. Two, three weeks ago, you know, we ended up not having Sunday night service. The reason was, part of it was I was sick as a dog. I come in here that Sunday morning, and I could barely talk. My throat hurt so bad I couldn't swallow. Went to the doctor Monday and tested positive for strep. I hurt. I felt terrible. But yet when I got up to preach and the anointing of God was on me, you would have never known I was sick. Matter of fact, I don't know that anybody in the church knew I was really that sick except for Joni. Why? Because it was the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. When you get in that power, when heaven collapses down onto earth, you just feel different. You feel better. There's All those things just fade away. Let me be real quick through this text because I want God to move. I don't want me to talk. There is an order to this thing. You read the text, and I'm just going to go through pretty quick. The very first thing you see is they had to be a disciple. In 19 and 1, going back to the text I read to start, Paul passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples. You have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now I know Scripture and God can let his, the power of the Holy Ghost rest upon a donkey if He wants to because He did it in the Old Testament. But for you to truly be empowered, endued with power from on high, is how Luke puts it, to be baptized in the words of the text that I use tonight, you have to be a disciple. In other words, you have to be expecting heaven. And if you are expecting heaven, then you also need to be expecting the Holy Spirit. Someone must, must preach the truth of the entire word. Yes, God is full of mercy and grace and love. Yes, God wants all people to come to the knowledge of truth. He's not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but He wants all to come to salvation. It's kind of a mashup of 1 Timothy 2, 4, 2 Peter 3, 9. Go read those two and you'll see that the clear intent is God wants everybody to be saved. He don't want anybody to go to hell. 
He don't want anybody to be tormented forever because you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to expect heaven and make the mark and you will live in perfect peace and comfort forever. You will never die. Or if you miss the mark and you hear, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, what you will do is you will suffer torment forever. One or the other. And see, that's the balance that must be brought. Yes, God is love and God is mercy and God is grace and we're told to come boldly before the throne of grace so that we can find mercy and grace in our time of need when we need help. We know from the Psalms that uh, God provides help even sometimes in ways that we don't understand. Psalm 3, I believe it is, and I I have used that one before, and, and this is the Steve Webb version where he thanks God for smashing their teeth out of their head. Go read it. I know some of you are looking at me like I've lost my mind. Go read it. But God is also a vengeful God. God is also a jealous God. God is also a God that expects and demands you to keep your end of the bargain. Someone must preach the truth of the entire word. In other words, yes, you can be saved without being baptized in the Holy Ghost. How do I know that? Because these were disciples and Paul went to them, but he would not leave out part of the word. He looked at them and he said, you've repented, you've done this, you're doing the right things, you're a disciple, but have you also done this? He preached the truth of the entire word to them. You must also be truthful with yourself. Don't pretend like you know something that you don't. These disciples didn't. Paul looked at him and he said, Have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? They said, We ain't even heard that there's a Holy Ghost. Don't lie to yourself. Don't pretend like you're something that you're not. Be truthful because if you are truthful, then there are people that can help you. God can help you best when you are truthful with yourself. He already knows. Quit lying to Him. You may think, I don't need to know, but I can't help you if I don't know the truth. Stanley can't help you if he don't know the truth. Understand that God can do things in His own order. Now here, they had been baptized in water. They they admitted that they were following Christ, that they had been baptized in water. But if you go back to Acts chapter 10, you will see at uh, verses 44 through 48 where Peter was talking to them and he was preaching the gospel to them. And they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they were not baptized in water. And Peter looked and he said, How can we withhold from them being baptized in water, seeing that they've been baptized in the Holy Ghost? God can do things in whichever order He wants. But you must be saved. So in other words, the only order here, if we look through Acts and we try to understand this speaking in tongues and baptism of the Holy Ghost, the order that's said is that you must be a follower of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, You must accept the truth of Christ. But you also have to accept the truth of the Word, the whole Word. God said time and time again. In the Gospels, through John the Baptist, through the words of Jesus Christ, through Paul's evangelism, 
that He intends for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just once, not just as a one-time spectacle or one-time novelty that you can go tell your friends. Not just so you can fill a position in the church because you can mark down that you spoke in tongues at some point. But as a way of life. As a way of being empowered to walk out the walk that He wants you to walk. As a way to live for Him with His help. So you don't have to stumble and fall every day trying to figure out how to get it done. Because the Holy Spirit will call all things to your remembrance what Jesus Christ has taught. The Holy Spirit will comfort you when human words will fail. When you're sitting at a funeral and your heart is ripped out of your chest and you don't know what to do and I don't know what to say to you, the Holy Ghost can comfort you. When you don't know how to walk through life, the Holy Ghost will give you wisdom. It is a gift from God that He wants to give you. And if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? These people in Acts 19 were removed from the cross. What do I mean by that? They wasn't at the foot of the cross. Foot of the cross had come and gone. The disciples were out preaching. Matter of fact, Paul had stood by and watched some of them being killed. No doubt we know that he watched Stephen. And we know that he consented. They brought their coats and laid. And Paul stood there and watched as Stephen was stoned to death. Stephen was a second generation believer. He was one of them that the disciples said, It's not meat for us to wait tables. Go out and find seven men full of the Holy Ghost and bring them in to take care of waiting on tables. And Stephen was one of those that came. And Paul stood by and watched him stoned to death. Then Paul himself encountered Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. Then somewhere along the line, people preached to these people in Ephesus. Then somewhere along the line after that, Paul showed up. Do you understand what I'm talking about by they were removed from the cross? There was a time period here. It is for us today. It is for you today. And it can be in unknown languages. I can prove that from this too. There's 12 men in the same town, in the same house, worshiping in the same building. Do you really think logically they're speaking different languages? No. Are we speaking different languages in here? No. We're worshiping and praising together in one language. Because we all live in the same area. You even go into bigger areas and you'll see Spanish congregations and an English congregation. Yes, they might worship in the same house, but they don't worship together because one can't understand the other, so they worship together. It's the same thing here. These are 12 men that have no need for different languages. And yet when Paul laid his hands on them, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. There was no other tongue there for them to understand. It had to be the tongue of angels. To me, it just makes good, logical sense. And you can see from the work that went on there that the power of the Holy Ghost followed alone. 
And those that didn't have it, the seven sons of Sceva, were sent packing. Those that did changed their life and burnt everything from the past and walked forward in newness in Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, and I'm going to go back and read Matthew 3.11 again, and then I'm closing. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm done. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. So here's my question for you tonight. Have you heard that there's a Holy Ghost? Don't tell me you ain't because I've preached him to you tonight. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's all I want to know. Has it been 35 years? 20 years? Shame on you. Well, we can fix all of that tonight. I believe that with everything in me, we can fix it tonight. Why? Because the Word tells me so. Why? Because this is what God laid on my heart for tonight. Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Don't be ashamed. Don't lie to yourself. Here's what I'm going to ask tonight. Everywhere you see in there, other than the upper room, chapter 8 there's laying on the hands, chapter 10 there's laying on the hands, chapter 19 laying on the hands. it's been a while come if it's never happened please come please come and stand in the altar let me pray with you and for you for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost on your life if you just need a touch from the Lord if you need to experience that collapse of heaven to earth so that you can get in a place where you have some relief, the Holy Ghost to give it. Now obviously if you don't believe the prerequisite to all of this is you need the blood of Jesus Christ. Come for that first and foremost. But other than that, if you need a touch from God tonight, if you need to... Speak in tongues yet again. If you need to understand the power of the Holy Ghost for the first time, I want you all to just come and line up.